deserve the glory and the We just bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, ready prayers have been made and offered for you to come here. Lord, we just desire, Father, would you come and visit us? This service will be in vain this morning if it's up to Brother Ed or myself or anybody else, Lord. If it's you, it makes all the difference. Lord, we're asking that you would forgive us of our sins and our iniquities. Lord, there's not one of us that doesn't stumble or fall or do something, Lord, that would hinder you. But, Lord, look through the blood this morning. Father, look upon us and pour your grace upon us. Lord, we're here for you. We want to worship you. We want you to take the preeminence in this service. We pray that you'll bless everyone, Lord. Every need, every hand, every heart. Lord, those that couldn't be with us today. Lord, we're asking you to take this service. Pray your blessing be upon us. We want to thank you this morning. And now, as we just open the word, we ask that you would come. Visit us as only you can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I invite you to open your Bibles. Brother Mark, I'm going to change the scripture that we're going to start with. So if we can start with Psalms chapter 85. After I gave Brother Mark the scriptures, it just came back to me on this one. I'm maybe just going to read this scripture. I'll do this a little different. And then I'm going to make a few comments. And then I'll truly get into the thought for this morning. Psalms chapter 85, let's pick this, uh, pick this up in verse 7. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, 
and let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord will give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. Amen. David would speak these words, and so many of the Psalms are almost prophetic. And David would speak these as, a, as something that God had put in his heart. And we want to just take this this morning. God bless you. You may have your seats. I'll just ask you to hold off on the other scriptures and the title for now, Brother Mark. Amen. As I said, we're coming to the end of the year of 2019. 2020 is here. We're also coming to the, um, what we call the holiday season, Christmas time, which if we want to be truthfully as far as the time of year and what much of the world is centered around, it's a pagan feast. And it's, it's centered around one of the greatest factual events, though not at the time of year that it's celebrated. So I was just reflecting on that and what I'm, I'm doing is, is maybe just taking a few thoughts. We're entering the Christmas season. I just want to share a couple of things. There's several ways to approach it. And uh, maybe on one side, if uh, you believe it to be truly pagan and you can have nothing to do with it, you can brush everyone off that, that gets into any form of it. In other words, it's what we call the Grinch approach. You can start saying words like bah humbug. You can take a religious spirit. You can be sanctimonious. You can say that you're a little better than all the heathen around you. That's one way. That's one side of it. The other side of it is you can embrace it. You can fully get into the spirit of it. You can decorate the house, put up the lights... You can buy presents for everyone from your Uncle Joe that you haven't seen for three years. Go shopping along with the other 50,000, 60,000 at the mall on any given day. And you can fight through traffic, watch people cut you off. You can uh, see them butt into the parking stall that you had. Later in the mall, they'll smile at you and say, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and if that's not completely cultural collect, they'll say, Season's Greetings. Anyway, that's two sides to it. I would suggest the approach is somewhere in between for us. And uh, so I'm, I'm just going to share a couple of quotes, if you don't mind. If you lean to the first group, the Bahambug group, okay? And, you know, if you're the Grinch type people and you wear a frown on your face because you want nothing to do with it, let me just share something Brother Branham says. This is in a message called Divine Healing. And he says, looks like everybody's singing songs about a white Christmas and praying for the same. It looks like we're going to have it, he says. Um, we're going to have a white Christmas. This is Brother Branham speaking. I wish it could be Christmas all the time. Wow. You didn't expect that, did you? 
Everybody seems to be so friendly around Christmas time, wanting to help one another in everything, and everybody down on the street says, how are you, brother? Other the times of the year, they won't even speak to you. In fact, just give it a few days past the new year, and it's gone. That's when I like to kind of come out and say, hey, it's Ukrainian Christmas in the first week of... Amen. And they just kind of, it carries over a little further, right? <laughs> so he says, the world has put Santa Claus in his place. Sure, they call it Xmas. But Christmas is not a Protestant holiday. It's a Catholic day. December 25th was months and months before or after, if you want to say, our Lord was born. He was born in April. He wasn't born in December. He says, he goes on to share a little bit. And he says, Christmas is Christ. And they've added mass to it. It's a Catholic holiday. And he says, the fact is there's an error about it, but there's still something good about it. God still got a Christmas in it somewhere, hasn't he? He sure has. He's got something about it, just the very names and the thoughts of the birth of the Lord Jesus. So, you know what? It's, I think Brother Harold would, would have said this years ago. He said it's like tubeless tires. They're here to stay. Most of you don't even know there was anything other than tubeless tires. And, and nobody knows any difference. So you think, well, that's, that, that dates you. Maybe it does. It's like nitrogen-filled tires. They're also here to stay. So you didn't even know that was true, did you? Well, it's true. That, that works too. But anyway, there's a reality. Brother Man says, let it stir your heart. And I know we use the time, and, and the world uses the time. But he says, if they're friendly, may as well be friendly. And, you know, you don't have to go too far with it. But it's a good time to get together. It's a good time to remember the Lord, to remember what he did. So I used that quote. Now I'm going to use the other one. So if you're on the other side where you fully embrace it, let's just remove the tinsel from your hair, take off your Santa cap, and listen for a minute, okay? We have seen his star and worship him. Oh, brother, sister, how nice it would be for each one of us if each one would lay aside all this Christmas tinsel, quit all this swapping gifts one with another, all the nonsense of the world in the way the world does it. He said, just take off our pride and lay it down, stomp the thing under our foot and say, Lord Jesus, guide me to that perfect light. You watch something supernatural happen, the Holy Spirit will come in a phenomenal way. So sometimes we hold to things that are cultural or things that we adopted and that we like to keep and it's a good feeling and we like that. There's lots of ways to have a good feeling. You know, and, and, and Brother Bannon would say, the commercial world has made Christmas such a time of year where they talk about it's a commercial thing. And he says businesses stay open so they can make till Christmas comes along. It's become a great commercial thing when it ought to be a worship. A worship. Amen. So I just put those two thoughts together. I'm not going to belabor it more than that. But let's find the real part to what God wants us to have. Is that all right? All right.
Brother Branham had many messages that he preached around Christmas time, and he used the opportunity to bring it out in a positive way. He, and so maybe indirectly we're doing that a little bit this morning, but it's also good if you would go and listen to one of the messages Brother Branham preached. And he preached a number of them, and he preached on where is he, king of the Jews? Why little Bethlehem? A super sign. God's wrapped gift. This is a good title for Christmas. The falling apart of the world. <laughs> we have seen his star and come to worship him. God's gifts always find their places. And then the very last Christmas message he ever preached, why it had to be shepherds. Because a year later, he was gone. He passed away December 24th. Amen. Well, we thank God for all of those things. Brother Branham took opportunity, so we're going to take a little opportunity and approach it that way this morning. In fact, the very first Christmas message Brother Branham ever preached was in 19, or one that's recorded at any rate, was in 1949 on December 25th. And it was called The Deity of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to take a couple of thoughts from there. Let me just take Brother Branham's opening remarks from that message. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas to all of you. Oh, come on. That's what he said. <laughs> and he says, we're happy to be back here this morning at the tabernacle. One of the greatest gifts that God ever gave to the world was Jesus Christ. We know that. And I want to speak this morning, he says, upon his deity, who he is. So many has him as a little baby laying out there in the cradle and so forth. That's just one of the pictures. But the setting forth of a drama to bring him to where he really is, his deity. And so that's where we want to maybe go a little bit this morning. Turn with me, if you will. You don't have to stand, but let's just turn to Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to try to share a little bit of this this morning, but I'm going to not necessarily do it in a, in a familiar way, a little, maybe a little different. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We all good with that this morning? The odd amen will help a long way in the service this morning. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise... When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. But I thought God the Father was his father. No, that's all a mystery. Then Jesus, then, sorry, then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Notice his next word. For he shall save his people from their sins. Didn't say he'd save the world. He'll save his people from their sins. To this end was he born. 
He'll save his people from their sins. And now all this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the Lord of the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Matthew will go on and you know very boldly under the lion anointing that Matthew was written under. He declares these things as very affirmative. This is who he is. He's Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins and then he'll carry on to a little bit more. Luke takes a little bit of a portion of Scripture that goes a little bit from the personal side, the man anointing part of it. And he speaks a little bit about the days of Caesar Augustus. We're not going to go into that. But John also takes a little bit of a portion of it. We'll go to John chapter 1. John doesn't rehearse so much the earthly events chronologically and history and all of that, but he, he tells the story. In a different way, let's just read in verse 1, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. One more scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. The Bible says Jesus in Matthew takes a little bit of revelation to understand that. Amen. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. God bless His Word. I want to speak this morning from deity to flesh. There was a, no doubt, the Christmas story has been rehearsed thousands of times, maybe hundreds of thousands, millions of times. And uh, when we speak of, of, of it, sometimes it's been so ingrained in our minds, and maybe we have a picture on how it all transpired, and we're fixed on that. We've heard so much about it that sometimes we, it's not new to us, or it's not fresh to us. And, and so can it be in our experience. But that's why we, I believe we have a living God. We have a living Bible. That's why we need to pray that we don't stagnate, that we don't just sit there. And we're not here at this time of year just to rehearse history. Now, we've never heard the story in the light of the revealing of the truth of this day. Maybe we've begun to hear, but I believe God is continually making it more real to us. There's a, a saying that's out in the world, and I was thinking of it, and it's, it's, it says, give the gift that keeps on giving. 
And then they'll promote some kind of a gift and they'll use any which way gift. But really there's only one gift that God gave that still is giving today. And that's the gift of Jesus Christ. That's the gift that we can be partakers of today. So a deity, a deity if I can say it this way, is the dictionary said it's a God that is supremely powerful or beneficent, divine or sacred, uh, supernatural. And so as we focus today, maybe not so much on the events, the chronologically uh, of the Bible, of the, of the Christmas story, but I want to just ask the question, and almost like we asked the question last week about the message, you know, where is the message at? Where, where does God dwell? He doesn't dwell in tapes and books, and, but doesn't dwell in some headquarters somewhere, but he dwells in his people. And, and talking about the identifications of the church and the body. So the question, if we would ask the question today, is this gift that God gave, where, what is it? How, how can I benefit from it? I, I, maybe I've never really used it in the way that I could have. Maybe I've never really laid hands on it the way that I should have. Maybe I've never really unwrapped it. You know, and, and yet it's a gift of God. So if we just take this part to start and lay a little foundation, if we take the Christmas story without going into the Bible and rehearsing it all, you can read some of this in Matthew chapter 1 and 2 and also in Luke chapter Two and one and two as well, but the earthly events as far as the world and Brother Bannon would talk about how often he would make a drama to tell a story, and I I always appreciated those because it puts you outside of the realm of the picture. So maybe that's what we're doing a little bit this morning. But the earthly events, if you were a newspaper reader or you subscribe to the Twitter feeds of that day and you would begin to learn of the events and, and you would know it was the time of Caesar Augustus. That was the political leader in Israel or that was a political leader in Rome at the time. And Israel was under Roman rule and, and, and as far as a nation goes, it was also a time when a new tax law came out. You might say it was almost like a carbon tax, but it wasn't. It was just a tax law, and it, and it was there to get the people, to get some money out of them. And there was this certain king in Judea by the name of Herod. He, has a, he was a complex, he had, he had complexes, and, and you know, he heard stories or rumors of another king coming. And the Jews were waiting for another king, and no doubt... And because he had complexes, an inferiority complex, no doubt if he could tweet out, he would have tweeted, that's fake news. And, but but he, he couldn't do it that way in that time, but he had to try to discredit the story in some way, shape, or form. And when he heard the story about wise men that had appeared, and we know the wise men weren't there at the time of the birth, but yet, let's just take the story this way. At the time that, that Jesus was going to be born, at that time and season, there was also signs in the heavens. Yeah. 
And the signs in the heavens were, there was a number of stars, and there was in a far country over in India, there were astronomers, there were men who were looking to the stars and waiting on the stars, and they were learned men, and they were spiritual men, and they knew the signs, and they knew that that was God's Bible, and they knew God was in it. And as they watched, and from where they were at, they could see three stars come together. Three stars, and it was, it was signifying a great event on the time of earth. And as these, these men would begin to look at these stars and they would begin to see them, they knew it was time. They knew that the king was coming to earth. They understood that now this was the time that mankind had waited for. God was going to tabernacle himself on earth in a great way. And at the very time that Jesus was born, they saw this and they began to make preparation. They began to pack up their things and they began to head out, if it were, as it were, as they, as they headed out the door and they were going to see the king. And it began a two-year journey, and they had to go from the far east and cross the Tigris River and cross all these places. But, but even as they went, they were, they were coming, and when they finally arrived, and now they can, these men who are spiritual men seeing the signs began to meet, and they met the political leader, Herod. Or they met rather the religious people. And the religious people, they, they, they said, where is Jesus, king of the Jews? And, and maybe this was alarming to the religious people. We didn't even know about it. What do you mean? What are you talking about? They didn't even understand it. And the word got back to Herod. And here he is with his complexes. He calls the wise men to them. And he says, come here into my inner office. And listen, I'll give you a cabinet post if you tell me where, where, where he's going to be. And, and I, 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 listen, I want to include him in my inner chamber and council and, and, and such. You know, very deceptive in the way he was handling things and doing things. Very, very, very much all of this happening. And this was now not just a baby they were looking for, but an infant. The Bible says a young child. So, so when you see the scenes of the manger, it's, just, it's not really scriptural. But, but yet it's connected in a way. So these wise men, then as Herod, you know, spoke to them, and they, they, then they found out from the religious leaders that Christ was to have been born in Bethlehem. And he says, I'll tell you what, you go find him, tell me when he's there, and I'll worship with you. So these wise men were not just, uh, just, just wandering about naturally, but they were supernaturally led. So despite the normalcy or the carnality of, of the characters involved and, you know, the events and even the way the narrator is telling it this morning, but they, they knew, number one, they had seen a sign in heaven. That was by God. They learned of it through books and writings. And it was a light that directed them for two years. They followed that light and it brought them to the country of Judea. And they knew that light. And so, not only that, but before they ever left, and as they began to pack for the journey, and as they knew they came to worship the king, they also took a gift. They didn't just stop by and pick up a gift certificate from Walmart out the door, but they actually were divinely led 
supernaturally led, each one unique to himself, to the type of gift that they would bring. In other words, it was strange one to the other about what their gift was, but there was an identification. And Brother Branham would talk about it and he would say, now watch these people, these magi. Watch the gifts that they brought him. It identified what they thought he was. Each one being different. So these men, they, 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 they were supernaturally led. They also were worshipers and they had something to bring. And now, the other thing is, after this journey and the meeting, and when they finally met the young child, and they offered, and they worshipped, and they gave their gifts, God intervened, not, not by way of a star, but he spoke to them, don't go back to Herod, go another way. And they did, and that's when Herod was so upset, he went and, and killed all the children under two in Bethlehem. So Brother Manon would speak a little bit about these wise men. He would say, they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. And now gold in the Bible, he says, how fitting it fits to Christ. Gold speaks of deity. He says, frankincense speaks of service and myrrh is death. So God, deity, also in service, but also to die. And he said, they identified what they thought he was. And he says, so is it today. Uh, how we come to him identifies what we think he is. If you believe church is a good place to associate with people and give just a few social hours, that shows you what you believe he is. He says, but if you really believe it with all your heart, then you give everything that's in you. It identifies you. You truly believe the message, and you believe it to be true. So he says, God so anointed Jesus with the fullness of himself that he was God's gift to the world. The wise men clearly identified, they reciprocated on earth, offering their gift to him, showing in their heart who he was, fell down perfectly in order, worshipped him, presented their gifts. That's the way to have a real Christmas. Worship him, present your gift, your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, I, I'm going to try and take it now in the next 45 minutes or so just to speak on this in a little different direction. And I'm not going to go into the other events today, which is Zacharias and Elizabeth and um, Joseph and Mary and, and uh, the angel that came to Mary and the shepherds in the flocks. But I want to just look at this from a little bit of another place, if I can. Now, that's, in other words, the story behind the story, or as Paul Harvey would see, the rest of the story. Jesus, if I could, let me just back up a step. The deity of God, the, the supremeness of God, the, the logos, if we can call it, um, God being a spirit, God had come down to the earth a number of different times already. He had come down to Abraham as Elohim. He came down to him also as Melchizedek. God would take the 16 elements of the earth. He would put them together. 
he would blow them out. He would step into that body and he would go and he would meet Abraham. He also met uh, Jacob when an angel wrestled with, with Jacob that night. And he, and he would come down to the earth and even to the Hebrew children. He came as that man in the, fa in the fiery furnace. And he came all of these times. And he, he, he was Melchizedek. He was all these things. He would always come. He would step into the earth. And then he would leave the earth. But now there was going to be a different time. This was going to be when, when deity would begin to form itself towards flesh. And deity would now become flesh. Wouldn't just step in and leave, but deity would actually take on the form of flesh. Because he has come to save his people from their sins. So the condescension of God. Brother Bannon would now speak in the, in the message, who is this Melchizedek? And he says it this way. God in Morphe masked in the pillar of fire. Listen, I need you to help me. My voice is, I feel like I'm yelling and I, sh I don't want to be yelling. I want to just be ministering. And let's just move with the Holy Spirit, if you will, please. Friends, we, we have today, while the world is running to and fro and looking to truth and, and there's... Christmas plays and singing and churches and things, we have a truth and a reality that is far beyond this. I think we need to be thankful. I, I, I'm not here, I'm not looking at a baby in a manger this morning. I'm looking at the great eternal spirit that came down. And he came down for me and he came down for you. That's the one we're worshiping. And he's with us today. The Word in flesh is here again today. Yeah. So he says, God in Morphe, masked in the pillar of fire, in a man called Jesus. Now look at the term, in a man called Jesus. God in Morphe, in his church. God above us, God with us, God in us. The condescending of God. I'll tell you what, that is a paragraph of three sentences that says so much more than theologians that have studied for years and years. Lord, this was not the wisdom of William Branham. This was the God descending to us, making himself known to us. Now God, he says, changed his tent, came down and lived with us. He expanded himself. He... he he took the robes of his, his, his eternal glory and he laid them aside. And he came and he descended down to our level. I, I don't know if I could ever minister it the way that, that God at times can make it real. Just been listening to a few of the messages where, 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 where Brother Bannon would speak even in the early 50s and talk about the condescending of God and, and how he came down in the Garden of Eden and, and how he bled. And, 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 and he says for his children, I'm not talking naturally, but how his heart was there for his children. Thank you, Brother Ray, for your comments about the love of God. I believe this is the great victory. Brother Bannon would say, because you've chosen this way, the harder way, it is the correct way. 
It is my way. And then he makes a prophecy attached to it. This is and will come to pass the tremendous victory in the love divine. So he says, God above us, God with us, God in us. Not the third person. The same person. Now this is the most, one of the most profound statements anywhere in the message. Brother Don Bablis was the first one to ever make me aware of this and I've never forgotten it. God came down, became flesh, died the death in Christ so that he could clean the church in order to get into it for fellowship. What a gift. What a present. Wouldn't you want to unwrap that this morning? Wouldn't you want to know a little bit more about that this morning? And he said, notice, he made man and man fell, so he came down and redeemed man, and God loves to be worshipped. Now he says, like a great architect in his mind, he can draw out what he's going to build. He can create. He creates now. He cannot create. Now he can take something that's been created and make it in a different form because God is only the only one that can create. But he gets in his mind what he's going to do. That's his thoughts. That's his desires. So he, he begins to talk about Melchizedek. And he says, when Abraham met him, he was Melchizedek. But he unfolds here what all the attributes will do in the end, in the final end, every son of Abraham. Notice, in this stage of his creation, as Melchizedek, in this stage later that was formed into flesh, Jesus, from the beginning, the Spirit came down to be a Word, bringing itself out. The Word doesn't yet make itself. It spoke out. It's in Morphe. Later, He became flesh, Jesus, mortal, to taste death for all of us sinners. Thank God for that. Just stay with me. We need to minister this this morning. It's not just to be passing through this, this little mass up here, but let it come down to here this morning. I, I want to love the Lord this morning. He's worthy this morning. I, I want to praise Him this morning. Not just as a workup, but, but I, 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 He's my reason for living. I owe Him everything. Now, let me just take a, a couple of scriptures. Philippians chapter 2 for a moment. Very familiar. We read it often maybe. But, but just to follow in the context of what we're talking about this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now this is for not just Jesus, but Paul's telling us, let this mind be in us. In other words... God, who came down in Christ to, that he might clean the church, live inside of us, he knows where you and I are at. He knows even you who are redeemed this morning. You who have been baptized, you who are on the journey, you who are there, you who have been filled with the Holy Ghost, you who have got the indwelling of the Spirit, he knows where you're at this morning. He knows that you've got to pull this flesh along. He knows that it's, it stumbles, it's weak, it's your greatest enemy. And, and he knows that you've got to fight through that. But yet he also has given you a deposit that is more real than anything else that this world can pass to you. So, so he says this, 
He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. He made himself. Can you think about what this cost him? Could you imagine if somebody had, had, had was made you, given you everything, done everything for you, fed you, clothed you, created you, brought your upbringing, and you failed him, and then he came and says, don't worry about it. And he came down to your level, even underneath you, and he says, I got it. I'll take care of this. Don't you think that person is worth everything? Don't you think that's the gospel story? It wasn't God up there in the heavens sending somebody down. It was God himself that came down. It was deity that came to flesh. And he says, now he says also, he made himself of no reputation and he took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, now look at this. It says in verse 6, he was in the form of God, but he was also now condescending into the likeness of men. How can he be in two different images at once? How can it be that you're born again and yet you're still in this stinking flesh? It's a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery in Christ. It's a mystery to the world. You, you are the bride of Christ. You are going to go in the rapture. Absolutely. Why? It's already in me. I've been resurrected. It's happening right now. It's not judged by my outside works, by what I can do, but it's what God has already done in me. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. So number one, it must have been quite something to come down to, to this level. But then to humble himself. And then to wash feet with his disciples. From the moment, Brother Brown, I heard in a tape here the other day, from the moment he was born to the day he died, he suffered persecution. And yet he railed not back. I want us to appreciate the gift that was given to us. Turn with me, if you will, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This becomes even more explicit when we look at it this way. I won't refer, to, won't refer to, I've got other scriptures, but I'll just take these two. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul is speaking in verse 21. Talking about God. He, for he hath made him, who's him? Christ. To be sin for us. Now, he actually became our filth. He actually became our sin. He actually knew for the first time what it was felt like. The holy, pure God that dwelt in eternity. The God that was, the angels continually worshipped him. That, that the worlds looked black to him. And yet, he became sin for us. He knew no sin. For what purpose? That we might be made the righteousness of God 
in him. I'll tell you what. If there's any gift I want to swap, it's this one. I'll swap this gift anytime. I don't need any gifts from anyone. I'll take this one. I Give me this. Take this whole world. But give me Jesus. Give me this king who so descended and then became all the filth that I was. Give me this king who then said, here, you come and sit with me in my throne. What a gift. What an exchange. How could we not love him? Now, just, just as i got to keep moving, if I would now read a little bit, and this is, Brother Branham would take this in questions and answers in Genesis, and he would speak a little bit, and I'm just going to read a couple of parts of this. Maybe I'll skim it a little bit. <coughs> but he would just talk, and this is him taking his drama. Now just think about it. Here's God in heaven. He had dwelt over all the earth. The angels worshipped him. And, and he says now, and I won't take time on this, but I'll just summarize it as, brother, but you ever, ever want to just go on a, you know, the world, they, they, they'll take you on some kind of a ride or some kind of a thing so you can just be or go into a movie or to an escape or go into an escape room or something. If you ever want to go on an escape room, just go in your, your, your room quietly, close the door, and listen to questions and answers on Genesis. And you'll go on a journey. I'll tell you. He says, I got a beautiful picture in my mind. He says, let's take a trip. Let's go back 100 million years before there ever was a star, a moon, a time when there was nothing and it was just eternity. It was just God. And then he said, let's go over to the edge of the banister. <laughs> let's have a look over here. <laughs> I thought, oh, wow. Nobody can tell a story like this, he says. And he says, let's look over and let's watch things happen. He said, now, no man has seen the Father at any time. No man could see God in his bodily form because God is not in a body form. He's in a spirit. No man has seen the Father, but the only begotten of the Father, Jesus, has declared him. See? Now notice, there's nothing. There's just space. There's no light. It's dark. Here's, but there's a great supernatural being. And he says, it's Jehovah God who covered all space from everlasting to everlasting, the beginning of creation. You can't see nothing. You can't hear nothing. Not a move of an atom in the air. No nothing. I mean, you talk about quiet. And he says, now he says there was nothing, but yet God was there. That was God. Now let's watch for a few minutes. And he says, now after a while I see a little sacred light begin to form, like a little halo. We can only see it by spiritual eyes now, but we're looking, the whole church now, let's be looking. There's this little, this little light. Watch what God's doing. Let's bring it right down here. He says, no one has seen God, but here through the eyes of the supernatural, here's this little white light forming. What is it? The Logos. The Logos or the anointing. And he says, God, the part of God that began to develop into something so human beings could have some kind of an idea what it was. And he said it was a little low light moving. That was the word of God. He said, and God began to give birth to this son, which was before there ever was an Adam. So Jesus said, glorify me, Father, with the glory that we had before the foundation of the world. He's the only one that came with a preexistence. He's the only one that came to earth with a preexistence. 
Yes, we were there, but we were in his thoughts. We did not pre-exist, but we were in his thoughts. And he came with thoughts of us. Jesus shall save his people from their sins. He came expressly for me. He came expressly for you. That's the God that came to us. And the Bible says, St. John 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Now, he says, watch. God unfolding himself down to a human being. He says, watch how he did it. Now, <laughs> well, he just popped in flesh like he... No, it's, it's greater than that. Now, here is this Logos playing like a child before the Father's day, before the Father's door with all eternity. And then in his imaginary makeup, he began to think of things would, would be. Who's doing all of this? The part of God that was also going to have redemption. All of God was redemption. All of God is love. But God had attributes nobody knew about. So he says, let there be light. And he talks about how an atom bursted. She whirled for 100 million years. I don't have time to get into all of this, but... He talks there how the sun came into being and atoms would burst loose and millions of miles of flames and a big clinker fell off, it fell off and it went this way and he let it fall and he stopped it. Another one and he stopped it. What's he doing? He's writing his first Bible. The first Bible that man ever looked at. Do you believe in a Big Bang Theory? Absolutely. But it was controlled by God. <laughs> it wasn't just like man would make it. No, it was a God who's done all of these things. And he says, he came, now he's writing the Bible. He comes to the line of the tribe of Judah. He hung the sun, the sky, all of these different things. He says, science is looking for all of these things to disprove God. Actually, he says, it proves it to me. It makes it more real. Now let's just, I'm taking all of that. He actually goes later on in the, in the message. He talks, and I see God's hand going down there, forming the Grand Canyon. I see him doing all these things. And I, I imagine somewhere in there, he even looked at a little place called Sunset Mountain. He even made the, made the little gap so that the sun could appear through. He actually had a little place before the English language was ever written. And he had a rock with the word eagle written in it. Knowing that a prophet would lean against it one day and he would see it. Now you talk about a God. You talk about a creator. You talk about a being that always was, always will be. He's here today. He's with us today. We are his sons. We are his daughters. We are his attributes. We're not here by chance. We're not here for a Christmas story. It's the greatest story that ever was. <laughs> and he says this, just to go back. Now, God is a spirit. Now, God created man in his own image, his own likeness. What kind of a man did he create? A spirit man. Now, the first Adam we're talking about, what was he? He was a spirit man. This is in questions and answers in Genesis. God made man. He created a spirit man. This is in the image of God. Just think about this for a minute. I was just speaking with a brother about this and, and sharing. And he says, just think, the spirit man could never fall. <laughs> They could never fall. Did you know that even Jesus, if he came just in the image of God, just as a spirit man, he could never pay the price for sin. 
Because sin existed at a level below that. Sin existed in, in a flesh realm. God had to come beyond the spirit realm. He had to come down to the flesh realm. Now he says, watch how God did it. He's telling in this story. Oh, sorry, brother. That, that was, that was pre-1963. Oh, my goodness. A prophet is a prophet. God is God. <laughs> he says, now, he created a spirit man. He gave dominion. So in other words, Adam, the first man in the lower creations of God. Just watch how he says this. He, these, this is not the words of a seventh grade educated man. This is the Spirit of God with an anointing on this age. Friends, you have confidence in this. There has never been words like the words we're hearing in this message. And that's why I say, listen to it. I like to listen to it as I'm going to sleep. I like to listen to it when I'm driving down the road. I like to listen to it all the time because it's ministering. Friends, I don't know, I can't explain with my, my mental reasoning everything that I hear. But there's something that beats every once in a while that says, yes, yes, that's it, yes, it's true. And I'll tell you what, I just see myself in it. <laughs> don't let the devil deceive you that you've got better things to look at, better things to watch. No, I'll tell you what, yeah, you know, we're human beings, we can only absorb so much. But I'll just say this. Make it a habit. Make it a practice to just have it nearby. So instead of reaching for something else, make it a habit that this comes before it. <laughs> okay, listen to how he says. Now out of God came the Logos, which was the Son of God. Then out of the Logos, out of the Logos which was the Word, and the Word was God, God, the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Out of the Logos came forth the man. Okay? Now, let's, let's just take this a little step further, if I can. And where am I at? Okay. <coughs> I'm reading a few places here, but again, I, I just so enjoyed it. This is now in a message that was just a few days after that, but he's, he's speaking a little bit here. Now, uh, he, he again takes a thought he took in the early 50s in, in some of the messages, looking down to the Garden of Eden. I can see Eve. I can see Adam. He says, I see Eve who caused the fall of the human race, throw her arms around Adam. I, I don't believe sometimes he was just seeing. In fact, he, he mentions in one place, he said, something happened to me in the service that doesn't happen very often. A vision broke forth, and I was watching Adam and Eve going out of the garden. I'll tell you what, we, we have a window like no other window that ever was. Now he says, I see them going out, and I see God, the, the, the whole universe, the whole universe. Look, look at the picture he's drawing. I see it coming down like a funnel, coming down with the little letters of love, L-O-V-E. He couldn't bear to see them. He loved them so much till he couldn't see them go. He put enmity between her seed and the Satan seed. And he says, and then he says, in the same moment, he says, then that same blood of God beat as I look at him going to Calvary, the blood beating from his body. 
body. He relates what happened in Eden, that what Adam did, he relates it to what Christ did. The second Adam. Now, Genesis 1, man was in the image of God. Brother Adam says this. Look, when man was made in the image of God, he did not fall. Wow. In your spirit, you can't fall. The devil comes to accuse you, brings condemnation on you, you know, tries to dredge up old sins. Just tell him there's no fishing. That's been confessed. That's under the blood. He's got no right to it. He says, but you're filthy. You're a lousy hypocrite. You're, you're a, sorry suit for a, a sorry excuse for a message believer. So what if I'm the weakest? But let me get down on my knees. <laughs> he, says, he says, go take it up before God. I confess it. I still don't want it. Brother Danny, I think it was your dad one day. Brother Rolf Koenig. We're coming and we're just fellowshipping up in his office there. And we're just talking and we're just fellowshipping on things and, and just, just having a great fellowship. You know, the Bible says no man has ever, ever yet hated his own flesh. Your flesh doesn't hate your own flesh. You look in the mirror, wow, what a guy. What a gal. You're just like this. But when the Spirit of God comes in you, you begin to despise what your flesh does to you sometimes. How it deceives you and takes you down. And, and, and Brother Rolf and I were just fellowshipping and he says, and he, he said it to me, and I said it the same way. And I says, sometimes I hate myself. I says, I'm with you. I hate you too. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, I hate myself too. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guys. That just slipped out. <laughs> I hate me too. Something comes to me, but if you want to, I can't say it over the pulpit. So if you want to hear it, come see me later. Okay, I won't. I won't now I really distracted you. But if, you, if the Spirit of God is in you, and you're fellowshipping in that. Why do I have to come out from that sometimes? And then I say a word and I don't mean it that way. Why inside of you the spirit of God. The image of God that has been restored. But there's still an image of man. The image of God is different. The image of man is different. And there's two different images here. We're still stuck in this part. But there's an image that's being restored. That can never die. Friends, if we can catch this, it'll help us a lot in our dealings with one another. Why? Because too often the enemy points to our weak spots, points to what's wrong, and the legalistic guns come out, and we're ready to shoot. And sometimes we need to turn them on ourselves. But if we can recognize, no, there's a Spirit of God in that, brother. I watched how he did this. Yeah, yeah, he's got this quirky nature. Yeah, she's got this. And, and it, sometimes it's in your own house. And sometimes it's just like, and, and you think, but you need to see the part of God that's been redeemed too. We need to see that. I'll tell you what, when you have that, then you begin, begin to have the love of God. So he says, when man was made in the image of God, he did not fall. Second part. When he was made in the image of man, he fell. Difference between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And he said, when he was made in the image of beasts or out of the dust of the earth, that's where he fell. That's where we stumble. You're not perfected in your flesh. But you can start to have dominion over it by the spirit that's in you. Now, listen to this part. Now, I'm, I'm trying to bring down the condescension of God. He says, now the only way that God... Could, could do this. 
If Christ was a different individual from God, then God would not be just. Just think about this. It wouldn't be right for me, let's say, let's say I got a speeding ticket. And I told my son, you go and pay that for me. What kind of a dad am I? <laughs> now if it's the other way around, hmm, well, it's different, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> onward and upward. <clears throat> now listen, he says, it wouldn't be right, Brother Ram says, for me to send my son to pay a penalty or the some, a penalty I put on somebody else. Whosoever looks at that will die. Well, the first thing you know, Brother Beeler would look at it. He says, Brother Wood, you take his place. That wouldn't be just. And he said, Billy Paul, you come. That wouldn't be just. He said, God is sovereign and just. The only way he could reconcile that man is if he would take his place himself. So God came down as a man. He was made in the image of God. Then God came in the image of a man. He took on him the form of man. He began to feel like a man. He began to know what it was like as a man. The God of glory, deity, stepped into man. Out of his comfort zone. He dwelt in the tabernacle of flesh. He took the sinner's place. He died the death. He paid the penalty, redeeming us from sin. Hallelujah. God was in his son, reconciling the world. There's the gospel story. That's the greatest story. That's the one that still is the biggest attraction there is. Listen, not one of us was born right. Not one of us was born in the image of God. We were born in the image of beast, man. It could never ascend. When man fell, all of creation fell under him. Now, how, the only thing that didn't fall was up there. That's what had to come down to redeem us. Now, <coughs> let me just take this for a moment. In <coughs> in God's program, there had to be a kinsman. So, Brother Bram says, Boaz had to be Naomi's kinsman. God, to redeem the church, must be a kinsman. And he came down and he took on himself the form of sinful flesh. God was made like unto a kinsman. Now I'm trying to find the quote and I'm missing it somewhere. Okay, if I can't get it now, I'm going to, I'll share it. And he says, so he came, he was God's son, he had to be worth it, he was all the heavens earth. And he said, he could not do it. He says, there's a part here, he says, where the body that was there was not God. Now just, listen, some people make it Jesus only. And we have this picture that Jesus came down and he just became flesh and he became superhuman. And we imagine like he had a force field around him. No, he was flesh, just like we were. 
He had a spirit, just like we had a spirit. He had, he had all of these things. So it was God tabernacling in deity. Brother Branham said this woman came to him in the service and she says, you make Jesus divine. And he says, he was not divine. And he says, well, what makes you say that? He says, where the Bible says Jesus wept. He was man. He was, it was the spirit of God dwelling in a man. There was times he was a man. He got tired. He had a headache. He was hungry. He was tired in the boat. That was a man. But inside of that man was deity. That deity, when he was tired and the storm was there, and the disciples said, don't you care? And he stood up and said, peace, be still. That was more than a man. But it was a man. He had to become man to, to identify with us. <coughs> Let me just share this part. I spoke this before, and sometimes it feels like it's a stumbling block, but let me share it this way. Future home. Brother Adam would say, he said, he has made me a body, and he says now, this is, I, I can't read the whole paragraph. He said, Jesus was part of the earth that the Holy Ghost descended upon. In other words, he actually had to take on a part of this earth. When Mary began to, when she, what, what conceived of her, which was completely immaculate of God, nothing to do with a, with a sensation or anything, he said it was completely 100% supernatural. And that holy thing formed in her was of God. But it began to meld with the food that Mary was eating. It began to melt. So the, the, the atoms, the molecules, the cells all began to form. So Jesus himself was forming around the earth that was there. But inside of that was God. And he says, Jesus was a part of that. Now let me take another one. I, I won't have future home such a wonderful, wonderful message. Now he says, in order to do this, he became a part of it. Talking about redeeming the earth, but also redeeming us. From the very dust, the part that Jesus was himself, being redeemed through him, all the attributes of God are redeemed with the earth. I, I was just sharing this, how sometimes, how do we become him? Because the song is, he became me so that I might become him by grace. Well, the first thing is he had to become a part of us. He had to become flesh. He had to actually feel rejection. He had to actually feel all the things we would go through. There was deity. That was what one of the gifts was. But in order to serve the purpose of redemption, he had to understand he had to die the most sinful death. He took a death that was beyond that of any man. And myrrh became the final part of the expression of him. Now, Brother Adam would say this, and I, I, I just, I, I won't, like I said, I'm not going to do all of this today. I'm going to take this in another part next Sunday, the Lord willing. But Brother Adam would, would say now this, he'd say, 
Let me take this paragraph. Okay. God said, let us make man. The first thing he did was create angels to worship him, then became God. Let us make man after image. What kind of a man did he make? Spirit man. Then when he made that man, he gave him control. Now listen how he says this. This is the condescending of God because this is, this is how it was in Adam. It was how it was in the second Adam. He says, then he became, he, he, he was, okay, hang on. What kind of a man did he make? Spirit man. Then when he made that man, he gave him control. He says, have dominion, Genesis 1. Then he made a man out of the dust of the earth, Genesis 2. And then the Bible says, and then Brother Ram says, then he fell. In Genesis 2. Not in the spirit, but in the flesh. It says, so, so then he became a savior, a God. Then a savior. Sin brought on sickness. Then he became a healer. There ain't nothing wrong. He knowed all about it before the world was ever formed. He knew we'd have this meeting tonight. What a beautiful thing I'm thinking. My, I, I don't know if I can express this today the way I want. In the Old Testament, there was the, there was the, the goats. There was two goats that were there as a sin offering. One goat was killed as a sacrifice. The other goat was sent out into the wilderness. It was called the scapegoat. Well, Christ fulfilled the part that was sacrificed because it, now it was a goat. It, was, it wasn't a lamb. It was, it was a goat. It was sin. It was that kind of a nature. But he also fulfilled the part of the scapegoat that was cast in the wilderness. He took all our shame. He took everything upon us. It was all him. God help me to, to share it the way it really is. What a beautiful thing I'm thinking, Brother Branham says. A great speckled bird. Who is this speckled bird? It's the church of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, they took a turtle dove. They pulled the head off of one, turned it upside down, poured the blood on the living mate and turned the mate loose. The mate sprinkled with the blood as it flew across the earth. The blood of the dead mate sprinkling holy, holy to the Lord. Holy. It was a type of Christ. The great speckled bird is the church that's been specked by the blood of its dead mate. The Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm so glad I know her, he says. Oh, my. Where am I at here? So he created man out of the dust of the earth, not in his image, but God came down in the form of man by Jesus Christ to redeem the man that fell from the image of the earth, and he was made in the image of the earth. So Jesus, in, there, there's some wonderful messages Brother Branham preaches called identification. And in 1963, he speaks it two times. They're just wonderful to listen to. And he says some things, and he says, he talks how God constrained himself. He couldn't bear, he, you know, just think about it. The first Adam, all that God was, was in that Adam. Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. Eve went out. Eve went out, and as Eve went out, and she went out, 
Adam went out after her. He said he was constrained to do it. By love, he was constrained to do it. I don't have it this morning, but there's a place where Brother Ram says, God looked down and saw Adam, which was a part of him, do that. And he said he was constrained to do the same in Christ. God for, for projecting what he would do. Look, he said, his sinless nature expressed what he was. Now, he was sinless, but yet he experienced all of sin. <laughs> Could you imagine? He never had an evil thought. He didn't think an evil thought when the woman caught in adultery was brought before him. He didn't think an evil thought when Mary Magdalene came before him. He didn't think an evil thought about all these things. He was God. He was pure. He was deity. But yet he became sin. He suffered in his flesh. I don't want you to feel sorry for him. I want you to praise him. Only God could do that. He came to take our place based on our profession. Your perfection is not in yourself. Friends, if we could see it. You know, even around this precious truth, there's a devil who would seek to take away the very truth that we can speak on. He would want you to take the deity that was on God and put it on someone else. And we even do that, we can do that on, 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 on even the prophet. Well, he, he, he was the absolute. Brother Branham was not the absolute. Let that sink in for a minute. The word that was brought was the absolute. Amen. Brother Branham was not the absolute. He sinned. He made mistakes. He, he said things one way and another way. It's, oh, yeah, that, that gives us a right to disbelief. I'll tell you what, if, if your faith is that feeble, you're going to have trouble with some scriptures in the Bible. Because there's some scriptures in the Bible that appear to be directly contradictory to each other. And, and the people that have find fault with Brother Branham, the next thing they'll find fault with the Bible, the next thing they're out in the world, the next thing they're out drinking and carousing like everybody else. Our walk is based on faith. That wasn't just a man. But yet he was a man. We've got to watch where we put our emphasis. The fivefold ministry is not infallible. And sometimes we, we lift up and we build an image to that man. And we, we, we deify the man. That's wrong to do that. The glory, all the glory belongs to the Lord. All the glory belongs to Him. We need to thank Him. I'll tell you what. I, uh, brother texted me and just said, thank you for the service the other day. And I said, you know what I thank God for? That He gave the inspiration. He helped me to yield. He allowed it to be expressed and He put it on the hearts of a people to pull it out. I said... Therefore, it's not one man. Therefore, it's Christ in his body showing himself, expressing himself again. In a many-membered body. We're not deifying Brother Branham. We're not deifying. Listen, and, and, and Jesus Christ, he was all God, but yet he was all man. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, 
He says to the angel, the, to the last angel, he says, and he identifies himself, the beginning, not the angel, but he identifies Christ, the beginning of the creation of God. You read those little portion of scripture in the church age book, what it said, this was a new creation. The first Adam, he could fall. He could fall. Not in, not in Genesis 1, but in Genesis 2, he could. This Eve will not fall. This Eve that is impregnated, not with, with, with tapes on the wall, not, but, but with the word that's actually written on her heart. Amen. This Eve will not fall. Why? It's after the order of Jesus Christ. After the order of Melchizedek. Yes, we're men. Yes, we're women. Yes, we're these. But there's also a deity part in there somewhere. Help us to see it, Lord. Here. Brother Brandon would say it this way. Christ, the mystery of God revealed, without controversy, great is the mystery. He put man on free or moral agency to fall, that he might be a savior to display what's in him. He became savior, taking his own law. He could not do that as the great Jehovah that covered all space time. See, he had to become a man. He took kinship with a man that was lost. And he became man, a man. God made flesh. Oh, hallelujah, he says. Do you think I'm excited? I am not, he said. But there's something inside. Now listen to these words. God became, comma, from God, comma, to become me. Well, I like the first part, God became, from God. And we have trouble accepting the last part, to become me. Why? Because we look at ourselves through the mirror. We look at ourselves through our own eyes. We're not looking at what Christ did for us. What he's doing for us. I'll tell you what. As much as we need to be sincere before God. But all of our fastings. All of our prayers. That doesn't somehow entitle us to climb up the ladder. All it does is it opens the channel to show, Lord, I love you. And he pours himself the revelation of what he did. We can't do anything to it. To take my sin upon him, that he might make me back to his great purpose. What's the threefold purpose? To express himself in Christ, come into a body by Jesus Christ, to have preeminence to go back to Eden. There's nothing out of order. Everything is in order. God became from God to become me, to take my sin upon him. I, I just think that's so wonderful. Let me, let me share this. I'm, I'm starting to wind my thoughts down. Not going to be much longer here, so just stay with me. He says it this way. The sinless nature expressed by the word of God, I and my Father are one. He says, I, I only do that which pleases him. He was so perfect in the image of God till he in God expressed the same thing. He was the flesh, the son, that expressed the deity of God. So that made him deity in a man in order to redeem a man. He in the word was one. So here he was in the boat, tired, couldn't do anything, but he was God. Here's you and I. 
struggling along Monday morning. Some little thing, prayer before God. God comes down. He hears our prayer. What is it? The same Christ. The same God. That's the gift that keeps on giving. That's the God that I can serve and worship. I, 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 I just love the way he brings those things out. Let me just bring this down. Let's have the musicians come. We're right at 12. This is a miracle. The brothers, the brothers said there's only enough battery for 10 minutes. And then they were reluctant to change the battery this morning. They gave me new batteries. I said, how long is this good for? I said, oh, probably till 2 o'clock. I said, great, I'll need it. Oh, great. It's okay. I got you. It wasn't you. It was your brother. <laughs> Musicians can come. How many are happy to be a Christian this morning? Amen. Just speaking this morning. Brother Andrew's going to speak tonight. So just, this is just the last little bit here. Listen to this. His own loving character molded himself into the person of Christ. This is where we'll, we'll try to pick it up next week here. He says, God's own character of love projected himself into the man, Christ. See, his own character molded that kind of a person. You know, Brother Andrew just touched on this a few months or so ago. But just think about this. Brother... Brother Branham would say, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Spirit of God left him. In other words, the image of God left him. Why? He had to die like a man. How could he do it? Because there had become such an integration of man, or of, of the image of God with man, into flesh, his character. Friends, you, you, you think this is about the trouble you got at home, or finances, or things? It's all about God molding a character. This, this isn't about how much you know. This is about the character of Christ displayed in you. Just think about this. His own loving character molded him to that. And then when he came to the earth, the Bible says he had to suffer much with crying and strong tears what was it doing? It was further molding that character. I, 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 this, if you can picture God that came down to this level, suffering these things. I'll tell you what, I, I, just, I don't feel like I really have expressed it today. But if I can point you in a direction, listen to some of these messages and let God minister to you. Let Him speak to you and begin to appreciate this gift that God gave. This wasn't just a story about a baby. But that same God that came in flesh in that day, He's also here now. He's with us now. Listen, I'll stop there. Let's sing a song or two and let's just worship Him. Is that all right? We'll do that this morning. I, need, I feel like I need to sing Down From His Glory. I don't need to sing it. You need to help me sing it. <laughs> Is there a voice back there? Down from His glory Ever-living story My God and Savior came And Jesus was 
Oh uh-huh. 